Hey now, friends, it's me, Lola, and you are listening to the Smoking Profit Podcast, where I share inspiration that's actionable to enrich you spiritually, creatively, and socially. I'm super stoked you're here with me today. Warning, this episode was super spontaneous because I wanted to record it fast, so I didn't use notes. Uh, We'll see how that goes. So I was on my computer, and I was like, hey, I want to talk about this story. I got my podcast recorder pulled up. I pulled down my microphone, and I'm like, let me go record this story and I open up this social network to pull a question that I posted recently and the first post that I saw when I open up this social network was a question about forgiveness and and I'm like dang this is along the same lines of this story that I want to share so I'm saying that to tell you this message is super spontaneous and it's like that because I felt like I needed to record it fast so what I actually did was recorded the message that night and and because it was so spontaneous, I felt like I didn't say everything that I wanted to say. And when my husband went back and listened to it, he was like, man, I, I love to hear you add more to it. Like, so yeah, what's going to happen today is I'm going to give you an intro, really, really clean intro. I'm going to lay out the message a little bit, and then I'm going to let you hear the story, the recording that I've already done. And then I'm going to come back and finish up, wrap it up and bring it all home. I do believe the topic that I'm going to be discussing today is forever relevant and I do believe this content can make a huge difference in your life. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Today we're talking about releasing bad experiences with people and even places and positions to use it how you want and ultimately moving on with your life. We've all had terrible experiences with people. Maybe someone hurt you by betraying your trust. They shared your secrets or cheated. Maybe they stole your idea or someone rejected you. You liked them and they didn't like you back or you needed a friend's help and they intentionally ignored you. We all will experience some kind of icky situation where someone refuses to acknowledge us, our feelings, our efforts, or our work, or even refuses to help us. Those breaches and trust turn into holes in our hearts, causing our love to seep and spill out and our spirits to break. But we can stop that. That's good news. We don't have to be angry, bitter, or full of resentment. I know I'm not. We don't have to wait on the phone to ring for someone to call us and say sorry or to explain why they did what they did. And we most definitely don't need to wait around for closure. We can move on, even if they leave our messages on read or seen. Here's why. Hanging on to painful experiences influences everything in your life, including your motives, your moves, and your outcomes. Think about that for a moment. How do your bad experiences with people influence your motives? Do they make you act out of fear, anger, or resentment? How do they influence your moves? Do they make you avoid certain situations, people, or opportunities that could benefit you? How do they influence your outcomes? Do they make you miss out on happiness, peace, or meaning? So that's what this podcast is all about, healing and growing, making peace and moving forward. I'm going to share a story from the Bible that illustrates this topic in an eerily spooky way. It's about Jephthah, a man who had an awful experience with his family. It's a story that we all can relate to and learn from. So kick back and relax as we dive into the story and discover how to release bad experiences. I hope that by the end of this message, you'll be more encouraged to release 
past bad experiences and not to expect an apology, but welcome an apology if it comes. Because some people will do you wrong, come back and never apologize. Or they'll apologize by saying, I'm sorry you are hurting versus I'm sorry for hurting you. There's a difference. So to support my message, I use a story from the Bible, Judges 11. The story is about Jephthah. Jephthah was a great warrior who lived in Gilead. He was the son of a prostitute, or in our times, we call his mom a sex worker. His dad was married and had his own family. His dad's name was Gilead, which is also the name of the region that they lived in. Jephthah's half-brothers grew up and didn't accept him. They didn't want to share their father's inheritance with the son of a prostitute. So these half-brothers chased Jephthah away. You'll hear this for yourself when I read the story. That's coming up shortly. But sometime later, another kingdom threatened Gilead's peace and the people of Gilead needed protection. So the elders of Gilead came to Jephthah for help. The story doesn't cite the elders apologized to Jephthah for what happened to him. Instead, the story says the elders of Gilead asked Jephthah for help. And Jephthah's response was, aren't you the same people that hated me and sent me away? But now you're coming to me because you need help? The elders couldn't deny it. They needed Jephthah's help. So the elders promised to appoint Jephthah as judge over them under one condition. Jephthah had to lead Gilead to victory. Now being a judge over that entire region was a powerful promise. It was very, very enticing. It meant instant recognition, acceptance, power, and respect. All of these things Jephthah didn't get when his half-brothers chased him away. So Jephthah asked the elders again to confirm, if we win, will you really make me judge over everyone, ruler over everyone? And the elders agreed. So Jephthah considered it a deal and went to work. First, Jephthah attempted to negotiate and reason with their enemies, which was unsuccessful. So this meant war. I always try to think a step ahead of my decisions by asking myself, what happens next? Asking myself, that one question helps me make decisions with confidence and keeps me from making choices that set me back. I wish Jephthah would have done this before what comes next in the story. Are you curious to know what happens next? I'll read it to you and then I'll come back and finish up my commentary. So a few weeks ago, I made a post and the post says, asking for myself, what's the nastiest betrayal in the Bible? There were so many good comments, y'all. So many. And what I'm going to do today is actually link that post to today's episode description so you can see it too. But one of the betrayals I thought about, which was probably not the worst, but was trash nonetheless because this person betrayed themselves and let me explain and when I think about that that makes me think about something totally different I'm not going to go off on a tangent because I got to stay focused and get done with this so here's what I wrote here's another thought probably not the worst betrayal but it's absolutely a nasty one Jephthah J-E-P-H-T-H-A-H his words specifically a vow betrayed him this scripture makes me think about motives and keeping my motives pure so that my motives don't drive me to make vows that betray me. So what does this have to do with someone hurting you, coming back and then not apologizing? Or someone doing you dirty and saying to you, I'm sorry you are hurting. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I hurt you. It has a lot to do with it. And I hope you'll understand why as I share Jephthah's story. Man, his name is difficult to say. (laughs) 
but I'm going to try to get through it. Okay, this is the NIV version just because it was the first thing I pulled up. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? So here it is, these people that did Jephthah wrong, definitely coming to him and not apologizing. This is the epitome of what I said to begin with in scripture. The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Something that we can absolutely say for sure from this text is that Jephthah remembered how he was treated. He remembered it because in verse seven, he brings it up. Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Verse nine, Jephthah answered, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? Verse 10, the elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord and Mizpah. Verse 12, then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, what do you have against me that you have attacked my country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's message. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Jephthah sent back his messengers to the Ammonite king saying, this is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up out of Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Verse 18, next they traveled through through the wilderness, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and kept on the other side of Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Verse 19, Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your territory, I'm sorry, through your country, to our own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. He mustered all his troops and encamped at Jahaz, and fought with Israel. Verse 21, then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and his whole army into Israel's hands, and they defeated them. Israel took over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people Israel, what right have you to take it over? Verse 24, will you not take what your God Shamash gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. That's powerful. (laughs) 
Okay, verse 25. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Aroer, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, big J, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. Verse 28, the king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Verse 29, the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Pay attention to this. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Verse 32, then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from the Aroer to the vicinity of Meneth, as far as Abel, Karamim, thus Israel subdued Ammon. Verse 34, when Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels? She was his only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Verse 36, my father, she replied, You have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. Verse 37, but grant me this request. She said, give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. Verse 38, you may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. That's so sad. Verse 39, after two months she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed and she was a virgin from this comes the israelite tradition that each year the young women of israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of jephthah the gileadite that's super sad that story was heavy and heartbreaking right jephthah made a vow to his god a terrible vow that he didn't think through Maybe his mind was clouded with thoughts of the future power he'd yield. You know, Jephthah's family rejected him. Before being chased out of his home, they said Jephthah wouldn't inherit a thing from Gilead, their dad, because Jephthah's mom was a prostitute. Now a once-in-a-lifetime chance was before Jephthah. Win this battle and become judge over all these people, which likely included some of the very same people who hurt him. Was Jephthah thinking... If I win this battle, I'll finally get the acceptance and recognition I deserve. If I win this war, I'll receive my flowers while I'm alive and can still enjoy them. If I win this fight, I'll receive love. I don't know what Jephthah was thinking, but you and I both know Jephthah made a vow. I mean, that's what you just heard in the story. That's what I read, right? If you, Lord, give me victory, I'll give you whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return. Why did he say that? I'll sacrifice it as an offering. Why did he say that? I don't know what he was thinking. All I know is I wouldn't expect anything to come out of my house and meet me other than someone I loved. And that's exactly what happened. His only child, his daughter, came to meet him. And he cried out, telling his daughter she brought disaster on him because of his vow. We could take a turn in the story here and talk about accountability and owning what we do, but I'll leave that for another time because the story is heavy and heartbreaking enough. 
His daughter cried. She asked for two months to spend time with her friends because she died. A virgin, someone without children, someone without the love and the joy of getting married, having a family. Do you know why I'm sharing this story? I'm sure you thought of some great reasons. Like I shared this story to remind you about thinking before making plans and promises. Because it surely seems like Jephthah didn't think first before making his vow. Or because I wanted to illustrate you can break the limits of your past and your family's background. By the way, I didn't point this out in my reading, but Jephthah, the son of a prostitute, ruled as judge for six years. You can find that in Judges chapter 12 verse 7. Or maybe you thought I shared this because I wanted to show you that people will do you dirty and ignore you and hurt you and then come back to you and need your help. That happened to me. Earlier today, before I was preparing to record this podcast, I was pulling something out of the stove and I haven't done this in forever. I hit my hand on the oven rack and I burned my hand. Now, when I first did that, it didn't burn, it didn't hurt. But as I sat down preparing to do the podcast, I noticed that my hand started stinging and it started burning. That's how the hurt and the pain is of people doing us dirty and ignoring us and treating us poorly. That's how the pain comes at times. The pain may not come immediately, but over time, it'll begin to sting you and burn you and influence other things that you do, which is why I really, really wanted to talk about this today because I wanted to encourage you to release yourself from your painful experiences. The painful experiences that sting us immediately and the ones that come and they sting and they burn later. Unless you wanna be like Jephthah, who allows a painful experience to cause him to make this vow that dictated his present and impacted his future. First of all, when the opportunity came for Jephthah to prove himself, he was more than ready, desperate and reckless. He had a by any means attitude, which is dangerous. Secondly, I believe Jephthah's rejection and desire for acceptance, which is natural. We all have that desire for acceptance. That's, that's natural. We, we should be accepted and loved and wanted and affirmed. Okay, but I believe what he had in him pushed him to make a choice, a vow that he rushed into without thinking. Slow down and think. He vowed to sacrifice whatever came out of his house first if God gave him victory. And that makes zero sense. Who would do that? As a result, he lost something he loved dearly, his daughter, and he lost his legacy. Based on the story, we can assume she was a virgin when she died. She had no children, so there was no one to carry on his name, his legacy. And Jephthah lost his peace. That's the thing about painful experiences. They take so much from us if we don't process them and let them go. They dictate our present and our future. It makes me so sad, seriously, to think about how many people have done what Jephthah did. How many people live like him every day, making vows that are hurting them because they won't release an experience. Have you ever done that? I know I have. I've made promises in my heart that I've later regretted. I've made promises out loud that I've later regretted, like saying I'd never speak to someone ever again or I'd never get married ever again. By the way, that brings me to a personal story I wanna share with you. It's about a vow that I made and how it relates to what we talked about today. So before I met my Dante, which is my husband, I made a vow that I would never get married again. I really did. I got married, this is my second marriage, by the way. This is it for me, but back to this. I 
I had a, a very difficult experience years before meeting my husband. And I was just like, I don't want to do the marriage thing. I'm not interested. But before I met my Dante, I met a pretty spectacular friend. I wasn't interested in a relationship. I told you I made this, this vow, this promise that I wasn't going to get married again. I was okay with that. I was like, I can do some sort of spiritual ceremony. I'll, I'll be good, but definitely don't want to do a legal marriage. So after I met this spectacular friend, I was like, wow, I think I want to get married again. I think I want to be in a relationship again. Now, as life happens, things did not go as planned and I was left hurting and heartbroken. I remember crying and just wanting the pain to just go away, just go away. And I was thinking about, okay, well, what can I do? to numb the pain. I can go out and find someone else to date and whoever that is could be a complete waste of time. And then that ends up being a setback versus setting me up for a great future. So I was like, you know, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to numb the pain. I don't want to feel this pain, but I don't want to numb it either. I don't want to act like it doesn't exist. I don't want to be in a place of where I'm saying to myself, you know, I don't want to do a relationship because that wasn't true either. So I asked God for grace. I remember sitting on on the bed asking God for grace and I was like God you said that your grace would be sufficient for me and that your power is made perfect in weakness and I'm very weak right now so God you said that you give me grace please give me grace give me grace because this hurts and I remember praying that prayer and I remember God speaking to my heart and showing me something he let me see that someone I could marry was on the way and that they would be here in a specific year 2017 this person would be here that that was the third year of this season of love that I was experiencing and it's so funny because the same symbol that God used to speak to my heart that day is right in front of me and I'm looking at it it's crazy blowing my mind right now but anyways this this love journey that I was on where I was falling in love with God and learning how he loves me and that his love is not measured by what I give him but he loves from a place of just him loving because that's who he is then I was on this love journey with people and learning to love people unconditionally that's why I can get hurt and still love people and still care for them and still be kind to them and not talk about them that's why I can get hurt by people and still have compassion and pray for them and and keep my mouth closed and not speak poorly about them but talk to God about it and and move on that's why I can do that because he took me on this love journey and it's it's still hard because sometimes I'm like dang do I have to see how thoughtless people can be and how mean people can be sometimes just to understand more and more that I need to be more thoughtful and more loving and more kind to everyone that I encounter from the least to the greatest but anyways that's another story and then the last year was love and bloom for me it's where I would meet someone that I could marry and God spoke this to my heart it's like understanding of all of this just dropped on me in the matter of seconds and I knew that in 2017 I would meet the person that I could marry well guess what in the 10th month of that year I met Dante and I knew we could get married I say could because we still needed to choose each other it wasn't like oh this divine thing happening is going to happen no matter what no we choose we have choices but Dante and I married less than a year later, quietly in a private ceremony. I may give you more details on our wedding later. For now, know that if I had chosen to hold on to the pain of my past, I would not be married today to the most wonderful person I know. I mean that. 
So how can you release your pain and move on? There is no one size fits all answer to this or one right answer to that question, period. Because we all have our own journey to run and our own pace to set. But there are some things that have helped me and others I know release the pain of their past and to curiously embrace their present and their future. I hope these things give you courage to make new memories around whatever caused you pain. First things first, get support from a mental health professional. There's no shame in getting help. Start a new tradition and make a new memory around that something that hurt you. Volunteer to give back to others. Helping others can be incredibly healing. Engage in restorative practices that help soothe and heal and stitch up the wounds in your heart. They can help you heal and grow instead of blaming and seeking revenge. Honor the memories of what was because you don't have to erase the past to heal, grow, and move on. Journal your experience or make art. What you write and create can help you and so many others heal. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Smoking Prophet Podcast. I hope this story has touched you and touched your heart and inspired you to release any icky, terrible experiences you have with people that may be holding you back. Remember, you don't need an apology to forgive and let go. You don't need to wait for someone else to acknowledge your worth and your value. You don't need to make a vow that betrays you to prove yourself or get approval from others. You're loved and accepted by many and by God. And God has a plan, purpose, and calling for you. Even if others don't acknowledge it, accept it, or want to see it. God has a way of putting your life on display in front of people that try to ignore you. He'll transform your life so much and elevate you so high that others have no choice but to see it. So please don't let the past rob you of your present and the future. Release the pain and curiously embrace what can be. If this podcast has helped you, Take a moment right now to send it to someone who may need it too. Also check out today's episode description for a link to the blog that accompanies this podcast. Until next time, have the most amazing life. Bye! Spiritually, creatively, socially. Spiritually, creatively, socially. Do life, do life, do it better, do it better. Your skills and gifts and mold you. Do that.